Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I am a hospice social worker. Today is going to be about fat shaming. I have a special guest with me, and we're going to talk about personal experiences, cultural experiences, and trying not to judge people when you just don't know their story. So please enjoy. Today I have with me a very special guest, someone that I've known for my almost whole life. Uh, I have Cassandra here with me, and she's going to talk to me about her experiences with fat shaming and just culture in general. So welcome, Cassandra. Thank you. So just briefly, I want to kind of talk about mental health. Um, It's finally becoming mainstream to talk about depression and anxiety, and more and more shows and podcasts are being praised for their disclosure and discussion and acceptance of mental health. Um, Unfortunately, this is not the reality for fat shaming, I feel like. Um, And even anxiety and depressions, which also can (laughs) come along with fat shaming, um, are still stigmatized. So I feel like we're a long way away from this whole body positivity fully being embraced, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, There's certainly mainstream exceptions to the shows. So like Melissa McCarthy, for example. And by the way, jump in anytime you want to just say something. Um, So Melissa McCarthy, Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias, the comedian. Um, Again, Melissa, but the show Mike and Molly, which I didn't really care for, but at least it had larger people, not size twos. Drop Dead Diva. Of course, Roseanne, that's, that was going on for years. And th- there's a newer show called American Housewife. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I was also thinking that show, This Is Us, the gal that's in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so at least there is a little bit more representation, but it still feels like it's the other. It doesn't feel like it's just a normal person. So, I feel like it's one of those things where um, where we're putting people out there that are larger size, but we're still shaming them. There's half of the society, which I don't have, but there's part of the society that says, you know, good for them, they're embracing it, all of that, and then there's the whole rest of the society that says, okay, you're putting this bigger person in front of me, but she's still not healthy. She's going to die. She's still, she's still big, and she shouldn't be proud of that. So, Right, and and don't you feel like, too, that it's much more focused on women than men? Like, larger men don't get the same um, oh, totally. focus. Like the, yeah, like the, which is, uh, Kevin... Uh, Kevin James? Like the, yeah, like he, uh, John Goodman. I mean, it's just acceptable that they're big guys, and then they have these, you know, beautiful thin wives or whatever, and that's fine, but God help you if you go... Right. Or if both of you are large, you know, either way. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, I mean, of of course, there's the Hollywood standard, which I get, like, that's, that's been there since the beginning of cinematography, I guess. 
but just in general, just in life and culture and walking around in public and in the doctor's office, which we'll get to, uh, I feel like it's much more focused on women being large rather than men, which is frustrating. <laughs> and it's just crazy to me that being over, being overweight actually used to be a sign of wealth and royalty, you know, that you could actually afford food. And it's somehow, and, and of course that was back in, you know, middle age time, but we, we went far from that to almost, you have to look like you're starved to be acceptable, which is crazy. Yeah. And it starts in childhood. Go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, I just was saying it starts in childhood, right? Even now, the focus is on kids that might be a little chubbier. And it's like, oh, no, you're not going to outgrow it. You need to immediately start, you know, training for a marathon or something. Because, I mean, you're already being body shamed in elementary school for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, that was my whole life growing up. From the time I went to school to the time I graduated school. I mean, that was... That was the thing. I mean, my, I, I don't, you know, my 30-year um, reunion is coming up. I have no desire to go. I mean, I realize we're all adults now and things have changed, but I have no desire to go. Some of those people were really, really cruel to me, you know, and it was a, it was a tough upbringing. And my dad actually said to me at a very young age, he said, baby cakes, I can't be there for you um, to take on all these kids. You know, I come home crying because they were mean. And he's like, I can't be there for you to take on all these kids. I wish I could. You're going to have to get tough skin. Mm. And so I did. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It just means I didn't let it show as much. And I internalized it, which, you know, that's worked out pretty well for me. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it did give you a pretty amazing sense of humor. But I'm sad that it had to come from that place. Yeah, and it's, it's sad because sometimes I have to put myself in check because I so good at defending myself, but one of two things happens. I would either defend myself with vicious retorts. I would cut them lower than they cut me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I would just take them down. If you're going to hurt me, watch this. And I would take them down and I could destroy them with my mean comments. And there was a sense of pride in that. But then there, um, there was the other side of it where I would try and, as I got I would try and make them laugh, you know, and so then I would make fun of myself. And, you know, long term, that's not a healthy thing to do. But in the meantime, you know, it made them laugh, and then it was like I was kind of laughing with them. But, you know, was I really? No. Right. Even to this day, I have to watch myself with my husband because sometimes he'll do something, and I'm like, oh my word, is that the stupidest thing that has ever happened? I just want to come back with him as a quick retort, and I have to thing to do when it's been like you say from childhood you've had this defense mechanism because you've had to have it 
You know, I, I've been the same way. I'm not nearly as good as the retorts and humor as you are, but it's, it's been similar. You know, we both have struggled with our weight for our entire lives and it, it does give you these certain defense mechanisms. You know, I know I know a lot of people that have gone on, and we'll talk about weight loss surgery and things like that later. But I've known people that have, through various means, been able to get themselves thinner. And no matter how thin they are, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have the issues that you had before, because it was a trauma that you experienced, and you you develop these you know defensive mechanisms or whatnot, and self-image, and you're still that person on the inside, regardless of what you look like on the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on the borderline of what people might call body dysmorphia, where it's, it actually ends up being a disorder at some point if you don't get help and you let it kind of control you. And you can die from that. Yeah. Which is just tragic because there's no need for it. Right. And, of course, the airbrushing and the unrealistic expectations and the cultural... Uh, you know, things that we, the references that we get to see every day don't help any of that because not everyone, you know, my skeleton is bigger than some people. There's, I'm never going to be that small. And even if I was healthier, I'm not going to be that small. So showing these, especially younger kids and specifically women, these pictures of people that are bony and that's supposed to be attractive it's like, okay, well now, even if you're a size 6, you're fat. Even if you're a size 12, you're fat. And it's like, no, you're not. You're healthy. Yeah, those charts that the doctors use, you know, showing you this is where you need to be. I'm supposed to be, I'm size 6, and I'm supposed to be. I think the last time a doctor showed me the chart, you know, uh, I think I was supposed to be somewhere between like 118 and 135 is supposed to be my goal weight. I'm never going to be there. And, you know... And since then, you know, I've had doctors tell me that's not even a realistic range for you. That's not even close to where you can actually be. 
I don't even know what I would look like at that, but I probably would be almost dead. Yeah, you'd probably look weird at that, because that's not what your body structure needs to be. Right. Yeah, even, yeah. I think society has gotten a little bit better for the the quote-unquote average women. I think that the people that are in the middle ground, I think they're, you know, real women, or real women have curves and things like that. People that fall between, like, the 8, size 8, size 14, right like 12 i think those people have been made to feel more comfortable and more acceptable but i think as a society we also have a lot more people that are crazy overweight like beyond overweight you know i think with our food and i mean we could have a whole other discussion about food and, and, and all of that why america's bad and we could discuss that to the ground but the reality is there are a lot more heavier people out there today mm-hmm yeah, and it, <clears throat> it's funny because even in the stores that you would think would cater to people of larger size, um, unless they're specific stores like Torrid, you're not going to be able to even find clothes or very few selection. If you're going to a store like, say, Fred Meyer or Walmart, where they have clothes for all ranges, there's a very small section of larger clothes, even though... Per statistics, most Americans or a lot of Americans are larger size. Yeah, and, and those clothes are hideous. <laughs> right. Just because, I, mean, I guess, it must be for clothing out there, there must only be floral and god-awful designs available <laughs> in larger uh, fabrics because that's what's out there and a god-awful cut. It's just, yeah, it's definitely not the same standard and I get that it's harder to a plus size body because being in a plus size body means a lot of different things. I mean, some people have big boobs, some people have big bellies, some people have big butt. I mean, it just, there's such an array of body sizes. Right, right. And all of that. It, it's got to be impossible. I get that part. But at the same time, I definitely think, unless you're a, a store like Lane Bryant or Torrid or something like that that specializes in that, the rest of the stores, they just, I think that might be the case. And yo, do you also have the same problem? If you try to get just a t-shirt, the neck is so wide it's almost falling off your shoulders because somehow they think fat people have giant necks. Right? I'm a human. I don't need that. And then, you know, God forbid, you know, I was not blessed in the department as you were blessed in the department of the upper regions. <laughs> I have no boobs, okay? I'm just going to say it. And so for me, uh, when I go there, it's especially they assume all, they assume all fat people have big boobs. Mm -hmm. They assume all fat people are Amazon women because they think like with pants and, and skirts and things like that, they're way too long. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't see Amazon women. I mean, I've seen a few women that I think are really tall, but I don't see these Amazon women that they think they're close to. I've not spotted one yet. Yeah, absolutely agree. Is she hanging out with the Sasquatch? I don't know. But I just so, yeah, I totally get that they're. Anyway. Yeah. But how we survive. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, I did have just briefly here mentioned in my notes about 
the whole becoming an adult situation and dating and competition, not only for mates, but for jobs, you know, the struggle that is very real, that when you go into a job interview, it is not just about your skills. It's about the way you look. Yes. And that you're automatically being judged. Mm-hmm. Being quote unquote healthy is one of those things where you can't uh, you can't really say people that are thin can have high blood pressure, this, that, the other. So it's it's definitely I agree with you. I I've been fortunate enough that you know I've been at my job for 21 years and um, it's a union environment, so it's been very. I haven't felt I have not felt that at work like some people have. I have, but there have been times over the 21 years when I've gone to other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I haven't specifically felt that as far as like openly being judged about it, but I have felt it in in the tertiary. I've heard comments not about me, but about larger people, or that the fact that most of the people I now work with, they're the very quote unquote healthy eaters, or you know they're doing all the right environmental things and. They bring nuts and eggs to eat and eat quinoa salads or whatever and nothing that I like. And, you know, and and so it just makes me feel even more and more like an outsider, even though they're not expressly saying, hey, you know, don't eat that donut. It's just like, I don't know. I still feel it even when it's not being said. And part of that, I'm sure, is internal. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. And that's a great point about not assuming. I've had that reminder in the opposite where I have a good friend of mine who I see as, you know, fit. Maybe she has a few extra pounds, but looks great to me and is able to wear whatever she wants. And she has body image issues and she expresses, you know, how she feels about herself on occasion. It will remind me that just because I see someone as thin doesn't mean they don't have issues as well. Yeah, I had to learn that too because there 
whatever, <laughs> joking with them, you know, mm-hmm. that's my rough sense of humor. And, um, you know, I, and we had a talk one day, and she, you know, like one of my thin friends was saying how, you know, she felt bad because, you know, her hip bones stuck out. And she couldn't find clothes that would fit her, and this and that. By the time she was done, it was like, you know, she just can't gain weight. You know, she struggles to do that, which, you know, you and I could go, oh, what a, what a problem <laughs> to have. But, you know, for her, she's very self-conscious about it. So it is true. It's, it's, I know today we're talking about women that are overweight, but, you know, as a society, we need to be more compassionate to everybody because everybody has a different story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to bring up yo-yoing because I'm sure most people out there have done this. Yo-yoed, especially people with weight issues, um, done the yo-yo diets and tried every diet under the sun. Every time some new fad comes out, we're like, okay, well, maybe this will be the one that works, you know? Right. And even if you find one that works, this is what's happened to me several times, which is just why it's exhausting, is that I will find something that actually does work, I'll lose 20 pounds, and then I'll plateau, and then I can't break the plateau. And then, of course, I gain it back plus, and then I find something else that I lose 20 pounds, and then I plateau, and then I gain it back plus, and it's like you're constantly up and down, which I'm sure is not great for your metabolism to be doing that. No, it's not. Especially some of these extreme diets I've tried. Yeah, it's really frustrating because I get to a point where, like, if you're doing keto or paleo or no-carb, low-carb, you know, whatever you're doing, I get, because it's been a lifelong battle for me, I get so tired and so worn out that everything, I have to think about everything that goes in my mouth. You know, the average person, there's a girl I work with right now, and she sits across the wall from me, and she's, she's younger, she's a mom of two, she had them when she was... Uh, pretty young, so her body, I mean, she doesn't look like she has an extra ounce of fat on her. She would, you know, she would disagree with you, but, you know, she can eat whatever she wants, and she doesn't gain any weight, you know, she's young, or she must have amazing metabolism. Mm-hmm. So, she can do that, but I sit there, and I'm like, oh my word, I'm exhausted, because I'm tired of thinking about what am I going to eat today. Every meal, everything I put in my mouth, even if someone says, hey, do you want a little Hershey's kiss? I have to consider everything I put in my mouth, because I know it's, it's the difference between me gaining a pound or losing a pound, and it's exhausting. And I don't think people can fully appreciate that. People that don't have to deal with that, I don't, I don't think they get that at all. That we just get tired. It just wears you out. The lifetime of doing that makes me. I actually really do hate food. I love it, but I hate it. You know, it's, it's kind of a comfort for me. Like I scream all the things that are not good for you. Mm-hmm. Those are. It's comforting to me, but at the same time, there's immense guilt whenever I eat them. And I just hate food. I hate cooking. I hate preparing. I hate thinking about food. I hate grocery shopping. I hate it all. So you might look at me from the outside and think, wow, she must really love food. I don't. I hate it. I hate food because it is, it controls my life. Yeah. And it's a challenge. Every day. Every day, yeah. It, even the smallest thing, and yeah, I'm just I'm thinking while you're talking about everything that I, yeah. Every time, it's guilt and shame and frustration and exhaustion and anger and all the things in in one. And as soon as you're one. done eating, as soon as you're done eating, there's the guilt. Right. You know, 
Right, and then you can't take it back. I mean, I guess some people do if you end up getting an eating disorder. <laughs> you can't take it back. You can't take those calories out of your body. But then, you know, and I know you probably have gone through this too at the same time. I, I will I will have, you know, I'll be debating on whether I want to eat something that's not great for me. And I'm like, do I want to live five years longer or do I want to enjoy the shorter life? Because I'm obviously just never going to win this battle. Right. Yeah, yeah, that and that's a great transition for talking about going to the doctor. I definitely want to talk about your experience, um, but I'll start with mine because it's not quite as bad, but it was actually at the same place. Uh, so I had to go in because I was having knee pain, and it's basically arthritis. I'm in my early 40s. I've already got some arthritis going on in my knees, and it's because I'm heavy. It's because... The joints are mechanical and they wear out faster when they have to have more weight on them. Fortunately for me, the doctor that I saw, his weight, his wife was about my size. And so when presenting the information to me, he wasn't saying it's okay to be heavy. But he didn't say it in a shaming, terrible way. It was more like a matter of fact, like, like I was talking about with the, like a joint being a mechanical operation. And that more weight is going to cause more stress on it and it will wear out faster. But your experience was far, far different from that. So if you're okay sharing even just a snippet yeah. of what you went through. Well, I too have had, you know, obviously a life young, living on the farm and jumping up and down on hay trucks and always being a larger person. You know, it's taken its toll on my knees. And I too have arthritis in there. But I had some pain that was beyond the arthritis. It was really debilitating, stabbing sharp, and it was like, there has to be something we can do. So I went to a doctor, the first doctor I went to, I was like, hey, you know, I don't know if I just need cortisone shots, I don't know what's going on, but something's not right here, I can tell you that. He's like, well, he's like, there's really nothing we can do for you, um, because, you know, basically you just need to lose weight. You know, you're going to need a knee replacement, but you just need to lose weight. And I was like, okay, well, 
What in the actual hell? All right, and I just looked at her and I'm like, uh, I didn't even know what to say. And so, anyway, with that, she told me, she gave me a prescription for, uh, I don't know if it was Vicodin or, or Oxycodone, I don't know what it was, but she gave me a prescription for whatever that was. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be on pills. I don't, that's, that's not a solution to this problem. So I got to thinking about it and I'm like, okay, so I'll go to this other doctor at a place where everyone told me that this guy, that the doctors were great there, the surgeons, and they specialize in these and all of that. So I go in there to see him, and he spends all of maybe five minutes with me. The whole time he's talking to me, he's looking at my stomach, and he's telling me that, uh, of course, I need to lose weight. There's probably nothing they can do. However, they will order an MRI. So finally, someone at least cares to get an MRI. So he says if it's something that I can't handle, uh, or I don't specialize in, he goes, I'll refer you to this other doctor. So, sure enough, the MRI came back. It was a torn meniscus. So, uh, he referred me to this other surgeon. So, I went in to see him, and this guy is asking me questions, not even listening to me. He's asking me questions, but not even letting me finish. He's cutting me off. And I, during this appointment, I can't even remember how many ways he called being fat. Like, it was like, you know, because of my, um, because of my weight, because of, uh, just, I can't even remember all the terminology, but he was just re constantly referencing how big I was, and I said, you know, I told him I had had weight loss surgery, and, you know, that wasn't really, it hadn't, hadn't been the uh, answer that I had been hoping for, and so anyway, he kept going on, and he said, yes, there's something we can't do, we can't do this surgery that can fix the torn meniscus, blah, 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 but not help, it might not help, and I'm at a big risk because I'm a big person, and, you know, and unfortunately I can't be taken care of at the surgery center, I'd have to go to the hospital because, and he'd have to find out if I was even able, healthy enough to withstand the surgery, and it was this whole big thing, and, and he says, have you ever considered weight loss surgery? And I'm like, I just told you I had had it. I mean, he didn't listen to a thing I said, and he kept kind of almost trying to talk me out of having surgery. And I'm like, I've had surgery before. If you have to do it at the hospital, that's fine. What do we have to do to get surgery done to my knee? Right. And what, can we get the ball started? I practically had to beg him to tell me what we needed to do to get the ball rolling to get the surgery. So I left there. He gave me a card, told me what to do. And I left there and I was so angry the way he had treated me and talked to me and hadn't listened to me and made me practically beg for surgery 
Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, so many things in that story are just infuriating, but it's like they, they continue to say, oh, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. Well, first of all, do you think we don't have mirrors? Cause we know what we yeah. look like. You know, there's a self-awareness there. We, this didn't happen overnight. <laughs> you know, you're not the first doctor to say this. We know what we look like. And, uh, P.S., how do you think I'm going to exercise if I can't walk? Right. Like, how is that helpful at all? Well, and I told them that it was affecting my entire life. You don't understand. I don't sleep at night, you know, and I'm dragging my leg around. I'm in pain all the time. That's all I can think about. I'm not a functional human being. I'm not functional as I need to be at work. I'm not functional in my relationship with my husband. I can't do anything on the weekends. Everybody else is out there enjoying life. Here I am sitting here, you know, taking every ibuprofen, Tylenol, whatever, putting cream on my knee, icing my knee, and it still hurts. So it was, um, it was exhausting. And it's not the first time I've had an experience like that, you know. And I've had several, when I shared my story and I wrote the blog, I had several other people with the same type story. So as a medical profession, you might be exhausted by seeing the obesity of America, Yeah. And don't assume. Don't assume you know why it's happened or what they've done already to try to combat it because like you said before, everybody's got their own story. You don't you just don't know. Yeah. And can I just come back around briefly, even though that's not really what this episode is about, but good on you for not taking a bunch of pain pills because we're in the middle of a damn opioid crisis and they're just going to shove pills at you? Funny joke, but again, because I'm a little twisted, I'm like, you know, just get 
out there and maybe mess with what I need to do to lose the weight, which I would never do that, but, you know, you get so frustrated Yeah. you're like, seriously, if you're just going to give me opioids, well, why, let's just skip to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. uh, yeah, that's just so, so, so frustrating. And what if you had, you know, what if you didn't have the willpower after all this exhaustion to keep going and you were just like, fuck it, I'm just going to take all these pills and just live my life as a zombie. And then you do end yeah. up going, you know, end up having a drug problem and having meth issues. And I mean, who knows if you hadn't had the will and support to continue fighting to get real freaking medical care on a real life situation in your knee that needed help. Yeah, I mean, people, you get to a point, I mean, I can see where people with pain get to a point where they just can't do it anymore because it, it is it's mentally, physically exhausting and you just, there's a little piece of you that just gives up, but, you know, I just, you just, I guess I've always been a fighter that I just keep going and I understand that life is hard and that it's a fight, which is a heck of a perspective to have about life. But that's my perspective is that I know I will have to fight a little harder. I will have to work harder. I will have, everything will just need to be harder for me. And it's just, you know, it's what is, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's a heck of a thing to have to accept. Yeah. Well, and just to wrap up this part is that you did finally get the surgery, right? And it was okay? I, I did, yes. And I'm um, recovering from that. And, you know, the doctor and I had a discussion beforehand that I understood it was not going to fix everything, but it was going to fix the immediate pain that I was having. And so I am doing a lot better. It's still sore, but I'm doing a lot better. So, yes, very thankful that I got that. Yeah, at least you're able to go out and have some enjoyment and quality of life on the weekends and do some things that are fun and that you like while you're healing. Yeah. Oh, so uh, another note, I just, I don't have that many more. I won't keep you forever here. Um, another note I had written down was, uh, loved ones with concerns and I put concerns in quotes. So I'm sure you've also had this. You did mention a little bit about your dad too. Um, having to, you know, you have the self-awareness of, being overweight, having tried a million things and having people be supportive, ha being, it's hard on both sides, right? Nobody wants to hear someone say you're overweight and you need to do something about it. And I don't think the people that say it actually ever really want to say it, but they're concerned. So there's this balance of how do you tell someone that you love, that you're worried about them, and also how do you accept hearing it for the 10 millionth time and not just be completely overwhelmed and upset about it. You know, I, um, I'm fortunate in that my dad, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that wasn't ever talked about. I mean, my mom took me to the doctor. She had, you know, I think I tried everything from a young age to lose weight and I always struggled with it, you know, but I was fortunate in that my immediate family has always accepted me and just said, you know what? Um, you know what, you're a bigger person, but you can do anything you set your mind to, so don't let it slow you down, and they've always been supportive, they've never made the little comments about my weight, they've never made mistakes with me, you know, my immediate family, they've always been very supportive in that aspect, because they knew I was beating myself up enough about it. Um, there are other people that have come into my life, um, as things go, that are not as polite about things. Um, I have someone 
life that makes little comments, little digs, and I don't think this person thinks anything of it. I don't think, I don't know that they realize they're doing it. You know, when someone is telling a story and they say, oh yeah, the girl, the girl, she was a big girl, you know, I, I, she was, well, I don't really know who to compare her to, but she was big. Well, you know, she's big like you. Mm. You know, when she's telling a story about someone who's really large in her mind, the largest she can think of, and then she's like, well, you know, she's got your size. You know, things like that right. you know, are kind of what I deal with. And I just, uh, you know, for the sake of relationships, I have to internal for this specific relationship, I have to internalize that and just, you know, find a way to let it go. But it's, it's hard. I luckily haven't really had to tell anyone too much to back off. I've had, you know, different people, oh, let me be your partner. Let me, let me gym buddies and all of that. I don't want to be anybody's gym buddy. <laughs> this, is my, this is my battle. I don't want you to tell me, did you go to the gym today? Did you go to the gym today? I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. I need, to be, I need to be the one that gets me to the gym. I need to be the one that watches my weight. It's not your responsibility to nag me. So I've, I've always kept that kind of at bay, personally. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that you have gone through weight loss um, surgery. Which, I mean, has its whole, its own issues. I know my best friend Katie um, had, and she's been very open about this, so I'm not outing her by any means, but she started out with a lap band. That dislodged and almost killed her. She had to have that removed, and now she's had um, the sleeve, and I've known people that have had the bypass. So all varieties of surgery. And it's it's not ever... A magic pill but sometimes it's it's even worse like it makes things worse it, it does i i too started out with the lap band in 2007 i had the lap band and it um i had a lot of friends that had done it so i was like you know maybe this could be the answer i was always too scared to try surgery but i thought that was Lisa basis and i went with that one and for me it made me choke all the time it made me slime but we couldn't go out to eat I'd always sit in the bathroom, you know, climbing and choking and waiting for it to pass. And after about a year of that, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I had to take all the fluid out of the band. Mm-hmm. So it was still there, but it wasn't restricting anything. And went back to normal. And then I started getting really, you know, a couple of years later, several years later, I started getting really frustrated. It was just felt like in a dead end because I just, no matter what I did, couldn't do it. So I, I too, converted and um, had some complications right off the bat, of course. they had I had a leak, and so then I had to live on this, uh, what do they call it when they put a, they put like an IV feeding tube in, TP, uh, something, I can't remember. Mm. But I had to live like that for a few weeks until they got that handled, and so I got a slow start, so I didn't get that same start that everybody gets that just gets to drop a bunch of weight right away because they were injecting, you know, 3,500 calories a day in me through the feeding tube to make sure that I was okay and it wasn't a shock to my system and they didn't jeopardize things. So my journey there was not a fun journey. And it took me probably a year and a half, maybe two years to achieve losing 75 pounds. And that was with me working with a personal trainer uh, two to three times a week and going to the gym every day and just working so hard and my body still did not lose if you know for some people they just drop it like it's hot you know and they're thin 
Mm -hmm. Um, That was not the case for me. I had to fight it. So I went back to the doctor for checkups, as I did routinely. And he finally said to me, he goes, this could be, for you, this could be where your body stops. This could be, and it was at, that was at 247 pounds. I had fought like mad to be 247 pounds. And my doctor said, this might be it. This is your body. I mean, we even tried, they even put me on deathbed to try and get me to continue to lose. And that didn't really help me either. And I was, you know, watching my eating and working out like crazy. And he's like, this, this could be where your body wants to be happy. Genetically speaking, you know, it does play a part. He goes, the doctor, some doctors will tell you that that doesn't, you know, it's about calories in, calories out, and all that. And I do believe that's true. But your body has a resting place where it wants to be. And for you, I think this is it. This is where you need to just focus on staying. And I left that doctor's appointment, and I, that was in Seattle, I cried and probably cried all the tears I had in my, that I've been saving up my entire life and cried. From that doctor's office all the way to my, back to my work. I think I had to go to work or go home. I can't remember where I went. But I cried the whole way, just sobbing, because that's not where I wanted to be. Right. I didn't want to be this big girl for the rest of my life. And to have a doctor tell you, that's probably the end of the road. And so I stepped up my workout, you know, the my my personal trainer, you know, he would ask me, okay, do 12 of these, and if you can, do some more. I would always do more because I wanted it that bad. Well, we went too hard, and I ended up hurting myself really bad um, to where I couldn't work out anymore because I overdid it. And um, I got really depressed, and my husband, bless his heart, he loves me, and he just wants me to be happy, and so the only way he knows to make me happy is to see me. And so in my depression and all of that, you know, it's, it's not very slowly at all, actually pretty quickly, it all came back, all of my week. So all that hard work I had done was gone, and so it's been a struggle ever since. That is, so we've all been uh, to all those people that say it's the easy way out. It isn't always the easy way out. Right. Well, and that's assuming you can even get your insurance to pay for it. You know, people have those struggles. I've had people, known people that have gone out of the country to, to get it done because they couldn't get it through their insurance. Um, you know, and, and there's not, this is fairly new. I mean, they have been doing it for 20 years, but there's not a lot of good longevity studies. So it's hard to say what that is even going to do to people when they're older. Yeah.
One, I can only imagine the exhaustion and frustration of, like you were talking about, having gone through this whole struggle and then you hit this wall and you cannot get past it and your medical professionals are telling you you can't get past it. You know, I, I don't even know how you pulled yourself out of that depression, but damn, that's so hard. So hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's definitely, um, it definitely keeps food on your mind all the time, so. Yeah, and after all that, you can only eat a few bites? I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because sometimes I can eat more and sometimes less. It's kind of weird how that fluctuates, but, you know, so here I am, this fat person, that's had, you know, the doctors will say, have you, almost every doctor I see says, have you considered weight loss surgery? And I'm like, I had that. And to see the look in their face, the way they look at you, like, oh, you know, clearly has no willpower, clearly not able to, you know, and it's not, you know, there's part of me that says, well, it is kind of like that because I gained the weight back by, you know, bad choices. But still, nobody wants to feel like, no one wants to, you just don't want to hear that, you know? Yeah, well, and it, it wasn't just bad choices. I mean, you did, just didn't give up and say, I'm just going to eat a bunch of ice cream. I mean, it happened for reasons because your body wouldn't tolerate losing more. And it's yeah. got to be so frustrating to only eat, you know, continuing to struggle and continuing to only eat a few bites and still not see any results when other people, you know, can just stop drinking soda and they drop 20 pounds. <laughs> We're talking to you out there, men. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. You and your man metabolism. <laughs> well, the struggle continues. And, uh, yeah, I really just appreciate you talking to me about your own personal struggles and your way that you've dealt with things. I think it helps to hear the things that don't work. You know, that, like you said, weight loss surgery is not a fix-all. It doesn't work for everyone. And it can continue to be a struggle regardless of the various types of things that you try. It may just be a struggle that you need to get support for. Yeah. And, and you know what? Even the weight loss support groups, I even stopped going to those because I couldn't handle being there in the support group. I'm in a weight loss support group where everyone's in the same boat as I am. But they're like, oh, yeah, I lost nine pounds this week or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, I haven't lost anything. Mm -hmm. like, Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're getting uh, support from the rug, rug doctor. <laughs> yes. Thank God for her. <laughs> what, uh, do you have any final parting thoughts about this subject? Anything you'd like people yeah. to know? The, the biggest thing that frustrates me on a daily basis is, you know, I think a lot of us go on social media quite a bit, probably. And the thing that, aside from people being, you know, brave and mean to each other on the, the different sides of the keyboard, um, is that people, I feel like, I wish society would accept us for who we are right now in this space, not judge us for what, what we are right now, because you truly don't know the battle. And the people out there on social media, the, the trainers, the workout trainers and all that stuff that say, you know, no, it's not okay to accept yourself as being heavy. It's not okay that I'm beautiful as is, it's not okay because you're not healthy and you're kidding yourself and fat shaming, uh, it, it, it has a purpose because it's not okay and you need to do that. Uh, my response 
love myself for who I am today, right now, in the space I'm in, I should be allowed that happiness to love myself enough to take care of myself. Because if I don't love myself, I am not going to try and be better. I am not going to try and be positive. I am not going to put myself out there in the public eye and exercise. All those body shamers out there, you're just making it harder for us to be active and do things that are going to help us lose weight. So don't tell us that it's not okay to love ourselves right now in the space we're in. It is okay. You need to step back and, you know, not judge us. Don't tell fat people to work out and then shame Nike for making bigger people clothes. Work yeah, workout clothes. You. What the hell? Thank you. I know, I don't get that. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like, <laughs> anyone who's fat just needs to go on an island and hide in shame and tell them which time that we lose enough weight to join society and be acceptable bullshit. Only if I get umbrella drinks. Well, true. Canada boys <laughs> and appropriate beverages. Exactly. Well, Cassandra, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope your knee surgery or your knee uh, healing goes well and quickly. Me too. Uh, you don't want to have to uh, ring out any more doctors in the near future. <laughs> well, if you do need some backup, I'm right here for you. Yep, you and your mom. <laughs> Always. All right. Take care. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. All right, that was our episode about fat shaming. If you have any of your own stories or something more that you want to hear about this topic or you have comments or questions, you can find me on Twitter at SomedayDeadPC. You can email me at SomedayDeadPC at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. I'd love to hear more from you. Uh, please, if you have time and you are willing to do so, I would really appreciate if you would Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so other people can find us. And <clears throat> please remember that we all are going through our own battles. Everybody's got their own struggles, no matter what body size you are, no matter what skin color you are, no matter what gender you are. Everybody's got their own situation that they're going through. So try to remember and see things through other people's perspective. Because what's the point of fighting if someday we'll all be dead? <laughs>